Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Kings 20? And if that's not how your chapter 20 starts at you, let me know. I'm in the part where my verses are a little bit off in, from the Hebrew to the English translations that we have. But I think that's right, chapter 20. <clears throat> we come now back to the historical element and leave the personal uh, Bible character study of Elijah <clears throat> But we will come back, God willing, to Elisha and Elijah uh, in a while. But for now, we're back to studying the king, Ahab. Aram is the same thing as Syria. So your Bible may say Syria, and your, or your Bible may say Aram. But this is where he goes to war. Let's look at it together and see what we can extract from this study. Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, gathered all his army and 32 kings with him. Okay, now let's stop there. 32 kings. These would be vassals of Aram. That is to say, more like city-states, not, not anything like the northern kingdom of Israel, which had several cities and villages. This would be something a bit smaller. But the leaders were considered as kings. So he has 32 vassal states, probably city-states, with their kings in alliance with him. So that sounds formidable, and I'm sure it is to an extent, but not quite as bad as you might think. 32 kings with him and horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and waged war with it. And he sent messengers to Ahab the king of Israel to the city. And he said to him, thus said Ben-Hadad, your silver and gold are mine. Your beautiful wives and children are mine. And the king of, Israel, uh, king of Israel answered and said, As you say, my master the king, I am yours as well as all that is mine. What a guy. Of course, I, he probably, you've heard this story when Winston Churchill was the prime minister and he was making a debate in the parliament and one of his opponents, a woman from the opposite party, said to him, if you were my husband, I would poison you. And he said, if you were my wife, I would take it. Uh, <clears throat> well, you wonder when he's so agreeable to give his wives away if he's kind of tired of Jezebel, you know. But he said, yeah, you got them. You want my beautiful wives? They're yours. My children? They're yours. My silver, my gold? They're yours. I am yours as well. And all that is mine. So now he is considered then a vassal of Ben-Hadad of Aram. And the messengers returned and said, thus said Ben-Hadad, as I have sent to you saying, your silver, your gold, your wives, your children, you shall give to me. But at this time tomorrow, I will send my servants to you and they will search your house 
and the houses of your servants and anything you prize, they will put in their hands and take it away. The king of Israel summoned all the elders of the land and said, please realize and see that this man is looking to cause harm for he has sent to me for my wives, my sons, my silver, my gold, and I've not denied him. And all the elders of the people said to him, do not obey and do not consent. So Ahab says, sure, you can have my wives, my, my, my kids, you can have all of that. Sure, you can have my silver, my gold. But then, they, but then the king said, well, I want your stuff. I'm going to come and search your house, houses of your servants, and I want, I want whatever I see. It's kind of strange to me that his stuff was more important than his family. And he said to the messengers of Ben-Hadad, tell tell to your master, the king, all that you have sent to your servant the first time, I'll do. But this matter, what you've added to it, I can't do that. And the messengers went and they brought back the message to him. And Ben-Hadad sent to him and said, so shall the gods do to me. And so shall they continue if the earth of Samaria suffice for the footsteps of all the people who are with me. In other words, I have such a vast army, there's not enough ground for us to walk on between here and there. And the king of Israel answered and said, say this, one who girds the sword shall not boast as one who ungirds the sword. And as it was, as he had heard these things, as he was drinking, he and the kings who were with him in the pavilions, that he said to his servants, lay on, and they laid siege to the city. Now they're drunk. Ahab, his 32 vassal kings, are drunk. They have already laid siege to the city, and the charge now is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna really get more serious about this thing. But now Ahab scores an upset. He defeats Ben Hadad. Behold, a certain prophet approached Ahab the king of Israel and said, So said Yahweh. Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I'm giving them into your hands today and you will know that I'm Yahweh. So here is an appeal from Yahweh to Ahab. Ahab who has led the nation along with Jezebel into grievous and terrible sin, idolatry, the worship of false gods, horrible acts of perversion, I'm going to give this whole bunch into your hand, Ahab. This is the prophet. And you will know that I'm Yahweh. Now let's backtrack a little bit. Elijah had scored that great victory on Carmel, remember? And the people had cried, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. 
And God has made the point in Israel among the people in the northern kingdom. And there was a revival that was beginning uh, to break out here. And so the appeal now comes directly from Yahweh. And through this, Yahweh gives Ahab an opportunity to acknowledge that Yahweh is God. Not Baal, but Yahweh. And Ahab said, with whom? And he said, thus said Yahweh, with the youths of the governors of the princes. And he said, who will, who will commandeer or command the battle? He said, you will. He counted the youths of the governors of the provinces, and they were 232. And afterwards, he counted all the people, all the sons of Israel, 7,000. Now think about this. Yahweh had said to Elijah, when Elijah said, I'm the only one left, the response from Yahweh was, you're wrong. There's 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to Baal. So here is this huge army besieging the city. Ahab rejected the offer of Ben-Hadad. And Ben-Hadad says, I'm going to grind you up. There's not enough ground between here and there to hold all of the footsteps of my soldiers. We're so many. 7,000. I don't have any proof of it, but I wonder... If when the news of the coming battle reached the people who are beginning to swell in revival and the word comes from the prophet that Yahweh himself has delivered the enemy into the hand of Ahab so that Ahab would acknowledge Yahweh as God. I just can't help but wonder that these 7,000, of course, believed the word of God and simply said, we're your army. We're the ones who will go with you. Can't prove that in the scripture, but it's awfully interesting that 7,000 here matches the 7,000 who hadn't bent their knees to Baal. All sons of Israel, 7,000. They went out at noon and Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the pavilions. He and the kings, the 32 kings who aided him. So they were all drunk. And the youths of the governors of the provinces went out first. Ben-Hadad sent out and they told him saying, men have come out of Samaria. And he said, if for peace they have come out, seize them alive. If for war they have come out, Alive, you shall seize them. And it was these who had come out of the city, the youth of the governors of the provinces and the army which was after them. You get this? The youths of the governors of the provinces and the army was following after them. 
And they killed every man his opponent. The Arameans fled. Israel chased them. Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, escaped on horseback with horsemen. The king of Israel went out and struck the horses and the chariots and inflicted upon Aram a great defeat. And the prophet approached the king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen yourself and know and see what you shall do. For at the return of the year, the king of Aram will come up against you. He's going to come at you again. Strengthen yourself, know this, and decide what you're going to do. Later on, at the return of the year, that guy's coming back. He's coming again for you. Now, this is the prophet preaching to the king of Israel. And the servants of the king of Aram said to him, A god of the mountains is their god. Therefore, they overpowered us. However, if we fight them in the plains, you will see if we will not overpower them. This is the way they were taught about their deities. All the nations and city-states and all, they had local deities. The concept of an all-powerful God is just something they had never grasped or understood. So these guys were from the plains. The, the war that they fought was in the mountains. So essentially what they're saying, and it's easy now to understand why Elijah said, you know, you're going to have to yell a little louder for your God. He's either asleep or he's gone to relieve himself or, or he's gone to do this. You can see now why Elijah made fun because their belief was that their God was the greatest God, but he was the greatest God in the place where his people were. He, he, they couldn't guarantee his strength outside of that. So these guys are saying, I'll tell you why we lost, King. These are mountain people. And we fought them in the mountains. And their God is the God of mountains. Our God is the God of plains. So let's draw them down into the plains now. And you'll see, we'll overpower them. We get them on our ground where our God is. We'll win this thing. Verse 24, and do this thing. Remove the kings, each man from his place, and place officers in their place. And you shall number for yourself. Of course, one of the problems they had was all their kings were drunk. And who was going to give a clear command who was drunk? And you shall number for yourself an army like the army that fell from you, and horse for horse and chariot for chariot, we will fight against them in the plains. And you will see if we will not overpower them. And he heeded them and did so. So he raises up big army again. And it's, you know, he's, he, he's going to dare them to fight him on the plains. So here comes another war between Ahab and Ben-Hadad. Now remember, Yahweh has given the enemy into Ahab's hand that Ahab may know that Yahweh is God. Indeed, it was at the return of the year that Ben-Hadad counted the Arameans and he went up to Aphek to war with the sons of Israel. The sons of Israel were counted and provisioned 
And then they went to meet him, and the children of Israel, the sons of Israel, encamped against them like two flocks of goats, whereas the Arameans filled the lands. A couple of flocks of goats. Arameans everywhere, a sea of humanity. And the man of God approached and said to the king of Israel, and he said, Thus said Yahweh, because the Arameans said that uh, the God of the mountains is Yahweh, and he is not the God over the valleys, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you will know that I'm Yahweh. So here's the next appeal. It comes with this second war. He shouldn't have won the first one, but he won handily. And now he's drawn out to fight them in the plains, and the, the, the Arameans have insulted the great God Almighty. He's just a God of the mountains. He doesn't have any strength anywhere else. And our God will take over on the plains in the valley. And God says, because they said that, because they've tried to limit me to being just the God of the mountain, I will deliver this entire bunch of armies into your hand. And here's the caveat. And you will know that I'm Yahweh. I already said that about the first one. But here's the second one. Going to happen a second time. And they were encamped opposite each other for seven days. And it was on the seventh day that men of battle drew closer and the sons of Israel killed uh, of Aram 100,000 footmen in one day. And the survivors fled to Aphek, to the city. And the wall fell on the 27,000 men who had survived. Ben-Hadad fled and came into the city into a chamber within a chamber. So he's hiding. He's running. Ahab catches up with him, spares his life. And his servant said to him, Behold, we have now heard that the kings of the house of Israel are kindly kings. Let us put sackcloth on our loins and ropes on our heads and let us go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. Now the ropes on their heads was not to hang them. <laughs> the ropes on their heads was to, to, to simulate like the, the bridle on a horse. And that they would go or do whatever, whatever the king of Israel said. That's how they, that's how they took their position. Before they, Perhaps he will spare your life. So they girded sackcloth on the loins and ropes on their heads. And they came to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad said, Please, may my life be spared. And he said, Is he still alive? He is my brother. Okay, now Ahab... Ahab has had these, all these people all the way up to the king delivered into his hand. This guy has come to him like a puppy dog. And he calls this king his brother. When God had condemned this king and his other kings with him, and when God had given Ahab these two great victories so that Ahab would have no doubt that Yahweh is God, he calls this guy 
his brother. And the people took it for an omen and they hastened and caught it from him and said, your brother Ben-Hadad. And he said, come and take him. Ben-Hadad went out to him and helped him climb up into the chariot. And he said to him, the cities which my father took from your father, I will return. <laughs> what a guy. Of course you will. And you shall make streets for yourself in Damascus as my father had made in Samaria. Name, name our streets after you and your people. And I will, said Ahab, release him with this treaty. And he forged with him a new treaty and he released him. He didn't have to do that. They were his. Yahweh had given these people into his hands. Yahweh had given him absolute victory. And he rejected it. He, did, he, he took the victory up to about 97%, but he didn't go all the way and accept what Yahweh had given to him. He made a treaty with him and then turned him loose. So here comes the prophet again. A certain man of the disciples, the prophets, said to his friend, by the word of Yahweh, strike me now. And the man refused to hit him. And he said to him, because you have not obeyed Yahweh, who you depart from me, a lion uh, will strike you. And he went away from him and a lion found him and struck him. So this guy brings the word of Yahweh, tells this guy to strike him. He refused to obey the word of Yahweh. Well, okay, you're going to get killed by a lion. This is a great illustration for the situation at hand. He found another man and he said, strike me, please. And the man, the man struck him. Striking and wounding him. You remember those old Hawaiian punch commercials? No, nobody would remember that, but baby boomers. The prophet went and waited for the king on the way, disguised himself with his headband over his eyes. And it was when the king was passing that he cried out to the king and he said, your servant went out in the thick of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and he brought to me a man and said, watch this man for me. If he will be missing, your life will be instead of his life or else you shall weigh out a talent of silver. And your servant was busy here and there, and he was gone. The king of Israel said to him, So is your verdict? You have pronounced it. And he hastened and removed the headband from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And he, the prophet, said to him, Thus said Yahweh, Because you have released the man whom I designated for destruction from your hand, it will be your life instead of his life and your people instead of his people. And the king of Israel went to his home sad and upset and he came to Samaria. All right, we'll stop there. And we'll have our deacon prayer time.